Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask you to please download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's content, not just the Frontline with Joe and Joe. Hey, and if you like what we do, you can primarily find us at the Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. And if you see us wherever on social media, help us out, like a subscribe, a share it all helps us to get the message out there today uh we are very pleased and honored to be joined by father dan leary and we're going to be discussing world villages for children helping children break free from a life of poverty uh some of you out there at our audience in our audience uh might know or have heard of father leary having said that a, little, a brief bio uh father dan leary is a priest in the archdiocese of washington dc and was ordained in 1997 he previously served as pastor of saint andrew the apostle in silver spring maryland he's also graduated from mount saint mary seminary in emmitsburg maryland uh father is instrumental in serving the poor throughout the world and organizes and supports several mission trips each year through Mustard Seed Communities and his retreat ministry, Anima Christi Retreats. In 2020, Father Dan left parish life to be a missionary and chaplain to Sisters of Mary serving children experiencing poverty in Asia, Latin America, and Africa. Father Dan Leary, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe P., thanks, man. It's great to be with you. Great to have you here. And Thank with that, I'm going to Thank you, Father. <laughs> Father, would you, uh, would you lead us in a prayer? Yeah, great. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Good and gracious Father, help this conversation to inspire our listeners to search for Christ and the deeper reality of the poorest of the poor. Help them to also recognize their own poverty and to unite that to Jesus Christ on the cross and to unite that to Christ and the poorest of the poor. Blessed Mother be with us and guide us in all that we do. Our Lady Virgin of the Poor, pray for us. Pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray, pray for, for us. And Venerable Aloysius Schwartz, pray, pray for, us. for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for that, Father. Well, Father, speaking of the poorest of the poor, Kevin Wells told us that you're a Washington Redskin fan, which is the poorest of the poor. And uh, we are the Jet fans, Joe and I, which is even worse. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that out. Um, I Maybe that prepared you for uh, your new role, but uh, I had to throw that out there. Father Leary, I got to throw this out to you, okay? I got to throw this out to you. Joe Resinello, okay, because uh, I think, you know, I'll speak for him, out of kind of disgust with the uh, 
NFL and all their wokeness. Okay. I think he hasn't watched football in so long. He doesn't realize that the Redskins are now the Washington commanders, which I think is an atrocity because they're the Redskins to me. Okay. Uh, Joe, did you know that there were the no, Washington? I, I did, but oh, I also okay. know Dave Butts just passed away. I yeah, saw really? that in the news. Cause he's like back in the day when I was like in high school, he was like the guy. The guy's head was, was like the size of like the great pumpkin from Charlie Brown. It, <laughs> he was. He was incredible. And I'm sure you heard that I was the chaplain for the I team did hear that. that. That's why I brought it up. That's awesome. That's awesome. That must have been a well, great experience. In the in the terms of some of my buddies, they said, Father Dan, you were such a rotten chaplain that not only did the team change its name, but they kicked you out of the country. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh, man. So, Joe, where do you want to start? This is a great conversation. You know, a lot of people, Joe and Father, you know, um, they give lip service. I'm not judging anybody. A lot of times uh, the poor, when you hear the the poor, it's almost an abstract idea. And we forget that we're, you know, we're talking about human beings. There are poor people in the world. They're human beings. They're not some just some abstraction that we have to either pay lip service to or give a few bucks to. We're called to serve the poor. And I'm very excited about this conversation to know what you're doing, you know, in the church around the world to help the poor. So with that, Joe Resinello, where do you want to start? Well, Father, you, you know, you began uh, your ministry at Silver Spring, Maryland. I have a cousin, actually, that lives there. It's nice. It's a nice place. And now you're living, you know, in the third world or what's qualified as the third world. Um, like, let's make no bones about it. And I'm not just saying this. That's not easy. Um, of a jump. I mean, I, in my life, um, I before I got married, I got married later in life. I've worked in Haiti. I've worked uh, with the Sister Missionaries of Charity in India. I backpacked through Cambodia and Vietnam. I mean, I have seen third world poverty and it's not for the faint of heart. You also get sick. I've been sick. Like, like that's another thing. That's it's I, I, two days with dysentery and a fever in a studio apartment in India, not knowing how I'm going to get home. I mean, like I know that this is not easy, and I'm just saying this not to toot my horn, but to kind of relay this to people who's listening. This is not an easy deal, <laughs> you know. Uh, talk about that because you had to have had a calling. It's not just like you know because. There's a saying when people would go to Calcutta, they'd say they get out of the airport, they get into the uh, cab, and then the next day they drive cab right back and get back on the airport and go home. There's a, a lot of people that would do that. It has to be a calling. Did you have that calling for the missions and the poor? Joe, man, thanks. So you and I must have, must have locked horns sometime in Calcutta. I spent six weeks over there. So my brief background is I when I when I was a seminarian I, as a young priest excuse me I participated with the missionaries of charity I served them and I bathed the guys and fed them and that put in my heart a desire I think really for the poor I got ordained first parish um, I was uh, there was the New Orleans um, levee break it broke I organized teams to go down there. Another parish, I, I was taking people to the coal mining district in Pennsylvania. Another parish, I was taking them to mustard seed. I think there was always a call in my heart to love the poor. It was, it was introduced to me, actually, when I read Father Al's book as a seminarian. So I read a book that he wrote called Poverty, A Sign of the Times, and it, it was a knockout punch for me because basically it challenged me as, as a comfortable seminarian. Like... 
how are you going to live your priesthood? And that, Joe, began my, my personal confrontation. Well, I mean, the work of the Spirit, but to how do I want to live? How do I want to live my vocation as a priest? So, you know, the call, you know what Mother Teresa wrote? It's a call within a call. Joe, I would echo that. I think I had a call within a call. I can't say I know when, but there was poverty was never just um, a sandwich, although I expressed it as a young man in giving sandwiches. I recognized the poverty in my own life, you know, through my own struggles and trials. And then I began to look at poverty totally different. So your question is, how did it begin? Did I have a call within a call? Joe, I definitely did. Um, and I really think it's a call within the call for every baptized Christian, not just some crazy priest leaving the DC area, coming to Mexico. In terms of health, I'm doing good. You know, I'm off a lot, I travel a lot. So, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, what country am I in? Am I in? But um, thank God the sisters kind of keep my food protected. I haven't, I haven't gone down with dysentery yet, but uh, if I get it, Joe, I'll be sure to call you. Oh gosh, you know, uh, the right penicillin. I've had many, uh, many bouts with uh, my my doctor getting penicillin medication. I bring this up because, like, I have also my my confirmation name, which was given to me um, by my parents, Francis, but it was I think providential. I have also had that. You know, I share this with you and Joe. Joe knows. Um, and it's haunted me. I mean, I'm not a rich guy, but I've done okay, um, you know. And even when I started to make a little bit of money, it bothered me. I'm going to be truthful with you. Um, and it propelled me always to do something. When I would go to India, I remember meeting uh, this Irish high school principal. And he said, every time I come here, um, people hand me money. And I found that that was the case with me. Sometimes I'd go at like $2,000. People just give it to me. And I felt like I had to go back. Like, even if I didn't want to, I had to go back because people would just like, here's money. You have to, like, and then I was like, I got to go back. I got to go back. Um, and it's a, it's unique. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Again, not everyone has that, but I kind of always been like, driven to that um and i i just want to share that with you because i know what you mean it's something that's th that's like i would just call it it's almost like haunting but joe let me let me father let me let me segue from that all right and and just ask you a question okay joe and i are of the opinion joe mentioned the missionaries of charity so did you obviously you're here we're going to want you to talk to our audience um about world villages and the sisters of mary now but i'm going to put myself um in the in the seat of someone driving you know probably somewhere on the merritt parkway who's hearing our voice okay um in the, you know in the connecticut area say well okay joe you were single Okay, and you you worked with the missionaries of charity. Father, this is your calling in life. You're a priest. Okay, I am of the opinion. I love both of your opinions. I think that on a basic level, when people say to themselves, "I don't have the time," and it's a real concern. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not poo pooing. A lot of people, just quite frankly, especially given the way the economy is, they have to work two jobs. They're trying to raise their family, and they say, "I don't have the time." I'm of the opinion, seriously, 
if you want to get involved, you know, even if it's a matter of just dipping your toe in the water to experience what you guys are talking about, get go to work with some of the orders that are in your in your area, your parish. Joe with the Missionaries of Charity in New York, Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, Sisters of Life, you with Sisters of Mary. Go volunteer once a month. You'll see the poorest. You'll see some very poor people. You know, you know what I mean? But it, it's an experience, I think, that Catholics, uh, that, that most Catholics don't get to because of the busyness of life. But that's a kind of an almost an easy way to do it is look up some of the orders, see when they have volunteer days and they could, they could get involved that way in serving the poor. Uh, I love b both of your opinions. Uh, let me crank it up first. So I think that, let me, I think that first people have to understand the poor. You don't go down to fix the poor. You go down to receive from the poor. You go to serve the poor, not to, to give. You go to receive. That's the first point. The second point I would say is you have to know what your own poverty is in order to relate to them. So if I just do the drive-by, that's me throwing the sandwich out the window, so to speak, and saying, I feel good about myself. That's not an encounter. An encounter with the poor is really going back into your own identity, all is grace, all is mercy, and saying, where but for the grace of God am I in this whole journey? On a practical level, I agree with you. You got to go rub elbows with the poor. You have to, because, but you have to listen. And you have to recognize that they are one with you. And their suffering is winning mercy from God, regardless of whether it's self-inflicted or it's passed down from generation. And thirdly, you know, my background was Cooper's and Library, and I worked for a financial firm. And this will be a kick in the teeth for people, but I'm a 10, 10, 20 guy. I believe that you have to give, you give away 10% of net, um, you give away 10% of all bonuses, you give away 20% of all your interest. Interest, not principal. So don't get all huffy on the gel. But... <laughs> 20% of interest and all you've lost in that entire exchange is the 10% of your net because you're asking me to be practical. Not everybody can split as a priest. Personally, I gave away every baptism, every wedding, every funeral. I put it in a fund and I gave it away. That's the only way that I could maintain my ministry in the States. And at the same time, you know, um, uh, serve the poor. Even at Christmas, people were like, what do you want? You know, I was, I didn't need another sleeve of golf balls. I was just going to hit them in the woods. So what they would give me is they'd give me those little credit cards, you know, 25 bucks, 50 bucks for food. I, I just think we need a mentality shift in the church that says, I'm not serving the poor. They're serving me. And God gave me the means to help them so that they could serve me in my own pride which is poverty but thank you for that pride, i have poverty thank you for that father leary joining us here at the front line with joe and joe joe pasillo joe racinello we're discussing world villages for children helping children break free from a life of poverty joe racinello there's a lot there to unpack <clears throat> and i want to just talk about an encounter with the poor is an encounter with christ there's some ways that people like say you're an atheist you know you could say and i've seen this you work with the poor 
you will encounter Christ. It's a way, an indirect way, without preaching to someone that they will encounter Christ. And I agree with that 100%. You touched on that. But I think as Americans, and and you talked about, because I work in the, the markets, um, I'm an audit. I was an auditor, and I worked as a compliant work as a compliance officer on Wall Street. Um, we don't realize how rich we are, and Catholic teaching is very clear that we are to live a modest life. It's very clear in the compendium of the Catholic Church if you read it. We don't do that. We don't. I mean, and I have been lucky enough to see people um, who were in need and I could help them or try to help them. And these are people who are going to be first in line, like going into heaven. I'm convinced of it. I have met people, holy people. Um, and we don't think in those terms. I can remember going to Haiti, seeing naked kids on the street, reading about people eat making patties of dirt mixed with oil to fill kids stomachs they get worms and all this other stuff and then me being on an audit in miami drinking a this is like 20 years ago a 10 dollar glass of gin like like americans just don't under even catholic americans they don't think on these terms the lazarus example of you know him saying no you're not coming in you didn't help the man. He was hurting. Christ is telling us this very clearly. And we can help people. We don't. What are your thoughts? I mean, that's a bold like, like statement. But I'll be honest with you. I think God is going to have some choice words for a lot of us. Hopefully not me. But I'm trying uh, because we don't help. And there are people who are hurting bad. If you're asking me, uh, Father Al wrote pretty clearly, you know, he called it, you know, he said, Christ chose to be born poor, live poor, and die poor. And he, he's, it's a very profound um, I, reality and identity, the choice. I think that the, the choice of simplicity and how to live mod modestly is an important reality because Father Al wrote, simply because your um, finances improve doesn't necessarily mean your way of living should improve in equal manner. I think that was pretty insightful when he wrote it in the in the sixties. <laughs> that was pretty that was pretty prophetic, and yeah, I shouldn't change if I was a pastor and I moved from a poorer parish to maybe a more um, affluent parish. I shouldn't elevate my my lifestyle as the pastor because I'm now in a different atmosphere. You know, it's something I struggle with. It's something I try to live in my own way um, to preach that way because the only way I can attract people to poverty is by having joy because no one wants to see the cranky priest uh, live in poverty. So I love the idea of a joyful poverty in my priesthood. Father Danley, let me ask you this, because you've mentioned them a couple of times. Who is the Venerable Father Aloysius Schwartz? Um, well, afterwards, we'll talk about more in depth the World Villages for Children uh, and get into that. But you mentioned, I, I, you mentioned him a couple of times. So who is Father Schwartz? Father, so Father Al. Al. <clears throat> Father Al Schwartz was a 
uh, a man uh, born in the D.C. area felt the call to missionary life, trained with the Mary Nollers, um, felt that they weren't strong enough, and he went deeper into a missionary community and where he was where he was trained. He always wanted to be a priest. He was ordained in 57, and he asked his confreres that time in, at the Mary Knowles, where is one of the poorest places in the world? They said Korea, post-Korean War. Raised his hand and said, I'll go there. Didn't know Korean. And when he went over there, it was a real, it was a real punch in the face for him because he really had not encountered the depth of poverty that he was going to experience. And when he got there, he was working in a parish. And he saw really outside the window all of the poverty. And it drove him to want to go out and serve and to really care for them. And that's how he did it. He put an ad in the newspaper. 70 women applied to the newspaper. He said, who wants to help me with the poor? I mean, can you imagine putting an ad in the newspaper? Gave them basic catechetics, basic nursing skills, and he picked 12 of them. Excuse me, 70 applied, 12 he selected. And that's how the Sisters of Mary began. He began in a very similar model of mother, Mother Teresa that wrote on the ground and people began to follow her. Father Al did the exact same thing. And it began to grow. He began to help draw in these children. And what he did was he built basically little trailers or little houses. And he put one of the sisters in charge of every family. That's why they're called, as, as far as I know, they're the only religious order that's called, they call their sisters mother sisters because their mothers, like a, a, a mom and a religious sister because the sisters are forming these young people for five, six years. So Father Al started in Korea, got invited by Cardinal Sin. He landed in, in from the Philippines, got invited by Cardinal Sin. He lands in the Philippines. Cardinal Sin takes him off to Smoky Mountain, which is the garbage dump, and says, look at all these kids living on the garbage dump. Father Al went there. His sisters are there now. And then as he was getting older, well, late 50s, early 60s, he was drawn to Mexico. And But by that point, he was stricken with Lou Gehrig's disease. And now, subsequently, after he died in 92, the work has progressed on to Guatemala, Honduras, Brazil, and now Tanzania. He was an amazing guy. I have a picture of him, of him celebrating mass in a wheelchair and a religious sister standing behind him. It's pretty emotional. Man. And, you know, he's got that big microphone, like the one you got, right? And his head cranks down and sister pulls his head up and he continues with the mass. It goes down again. The other thing that touched me about this guy is that when he was hearing confessions, he was in a wheelchair. This was towards the end of his life. He couldn't move his hand. He couldn't move anything. So the boys or girls would come up and go to confession and kneel next to him. And the sister would, when he was done, the boy would nod. The sister would run up and lift his hand to bless the boy. So Father Al said the prayer of absolution Soto voce, which is silent voice. I mean, that kind of stuff, man, like that's superhero stuff, man. That's that's the call of a guy dying, giving his life, being poured out like a libation. And um, so he's a venerable, and one day he will be canonized as saint. But I think he died living his life for Christ. It's a powerful story. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Father Dan Leary. Joe Rosanello, where do you want to go? You know, <clears throat> many things you said I'm going to touch first on is joy. He, this is what Father Al said. He said, the secret of constant joy is unselfishness, which means love. You must be unselfish to practice charity. You must go out to others and think of them. This is the absolute opposite of our materialistic world. Joy is found in giving of yourself. That's not just a statement. It's a fact. It is a fact. The happiest people are those who give of themselves. And another thing you said, which is spot on he poured himself out that's the path to heaven we're all called to white martyrdom you have your calling i have mine i am a father of five and i'm open to life and i'm not rich and my wife and i struggle to take care of our children give them a catholic education and i will struggle till i die i will never retire I will not be able to. You have a calling to serve the sisters and the poor. Joe has a calling to take care of his foster son and his wife. This is the calling of all Catholics. That is the way to heaven, to give of yourself. It's not one time, like I believe in Jesus, I go to church on Sunday, and then I do whatever the heck I want with whatever gifts I've been given. That's not the goal. Like the way to heaven is... He just had like the AP class in, in, you know, Father Al. He he just was in the advanced program, and that's why he's going to become a saint. We got to watch him as an example. Saints are examples, and they teach us. But that's everyone's goal should be to pour yourself. Talk about that because I don't think again Catholics think of it that way. You know, like to get to heaven. You have to die to yourself. And if you don't do it here, and trust me, I don't do it perfectly. Ask my wife. I complain a lot. Um, I'll just sweat it out in purgatory until I get it right there. Well, look, uh, Joe R., you and Joe P. are an inspiration, man, because maybe I was too soft to be married. Because I don't know if I could take care of a foster. I don't know if I could you know, right, you know, wrangle five, but you know, it's that kind of stuff that inspires me. Cause I, you know, when I get up and I get going, I got my day rocking. What, what puts the, what puts the extra coal in my belly to get out and get going is knowing that a guy like Father Al, you know, died on the ball, ball field, so to speak, he died in the wheelchair. Knowing guys like you going to the mat every day and saying, I'm going down swinging. What inspires me is, is not 50%. If your best is your best and you're leaving it on the field, I'm good. I think that once Catholics realize that the goal of life is not to die having been refreshed, but to give everything, then the greatest thing is the only thing that's left because you poured yourself out is the place for Christ. And that is joy. There's a simple, simple uh, um, logic I have. It's really simple. You guys might even get it even though you're from New York and New Jersey. It's this, God is love, love is joy. So therefore, love. Uh, God is joy. God is love, 
Love is joy, meaning when I'm loved, when I'm, I'm, I'm loving, it's joy. So therefore, God is joy. And that's eternal life. But I think that folks have to realize that the more that they, they sacrifice, the, the more that they offer, like I'm so much happier. Like I was always happy. I was always given it in, in the parish. But I've reached a deeper sense of freedom because now I have a real deep faith to say, I got no energy today. I'm totally ragged. I'm smoked because of everything we did yesterday, all the work or tons of confessions. But I know, I know, I know the Lord will give me that, that pill, that grace of energy, the Eucharist every day. And I, that's what Father Al called the divine energy. I mean, he really spoke simply to the sisters. He said, but every time I receive the Eucharist, he said to the sisters, we get this divine energy. So I don't know, man. I'm just trying to leave it on the ball field every day. Go down swinging with a smile on my face. There you go. I mean, sometimes it doesn't, you know, you don't need some pro profound, you know, Thomistic ideas, even though those are all important. Leave it on the field, go down swinging, all right? And Christ will be there at the end, you know, at the end of it all. Father Dan Leary is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're going to take a quick break. We're discussing World Villages for Children, helping children break free from a life of poverty. You're listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial. We have another great segment with Father Leary, so stick around. Don't go anywhere. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith, families are strengthened, parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello. We're way in the breach with Father Dan Leary. And you're listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. The topic of conversation is World Villages for Children, helping children break free from a life of poverty. Joe Racinello. Father, tell us about World Villages for Children. Like, what is the work specifically? What do the sisters do? Like, I know you guys are all over the world. Like, are we educators? Are we... Uh ministering hospitals what's what's the work what's your day like okay so that's three questions so the sisters of mary the religious community has about 400 sisters throughout the world and their work is to form the young people father al wanted to form change the culture from the ground up and give these young people uh, an education here in chalco we have over 3,000, probably middle school, high school. They're here for five years, 11 months a year. And sisters have up to 20,000 kids in their program uh, throughout the year. Um, the children are selected based on their poverty. The poorest of the poor are selected. So the sisters go out to the various states of Mexico, they're called. They meet with the families. They minister a simple aptitude test. Does the child have a basic capacity, desire? They'll meet the families. And then the child is accepted. But they'll interview the families, maybe the mother, the father, the grandmother. They, they want to see the homes. How poor is the home? They want to know that you sincerely come from poverty. And then the sisters prepare them in this boarding school for 11 months three squares a day, showers, all this stuff. And the children then are prepared for college. Um, for example, in Mexico, the highest number of girls and boys, because their boys are in Guadalajara, the girls in, are in Chalco, 
um, comes from a state called Guerrero, Mexico, which has one of the highest per capita homicides, homicide rates in Mexico. So the sisters definitely go after those that are most vulnerable. You know, we're, we're getting the girls, I'm sorry to say, be, I mean, in a good way, before they're trafficked, because they're only 11. And we're getting the boys before the gangs get them. And so that model follows throughout the, the, the world. World Villages is, a, is an office in the United States that helps fundraise for the sisters, that draws attention to the life of Father Al, that distributes his prayer cards, that tells people, we will one day have a saint from the United States and people can fund, read his books and his writings. There's tons of books available by Father Al that people could read and learn about this saint that wrote really provocatively to the church um, and bishops and priests about poverty. Um, your third question is my day. I get up early, <clears throat> um, try to get dialed up, take, doesn't take too long. And then I head up and exp uh, have adoration, six o'clock mass, 6.15 mass. And then I usually hit the box, man, hit confession or retreat um, with the sisters, retreats for the kids. Last night, we, we another priest was visiting. We, we had adoration at 4.30 to 5.30. The, the girls live in families. So every mother sister is in charge of a family named after a saint. So each family has about 30 to 40 girls. Another priest and I prayed over two families from 4.30 to 5.30. We exposed the Eucharist. The girls sing, bendito, bendito. And then um, we bless them with holy oil on their forehead, their eyes, their ears, and their hands, because so many of them have been through really, really, really unspeakable stuff. And then we did another group at 6.30, another group at 7.45. So last night, me and my confrere, we prayed over about 330 girls. He gave a beautiful talk about healing, talking about a wounded animal, and the girls were giggling and laughing. And then, uh, so then, then they got prayed over, and you know, they all stink and cry, man. They all stink and cry. I mean, maybe that's 11, 12, or whatever, you know. I mean, I know one, one start, starts off, and, but with, these are the COVID girls, right? They just got in here. So they're in that in their home, and look, I I know them. I mean, I'm, there's three thousand, so I don't know, but I know them, and they've suffered. So we're trying to remove that spiritual oppression, and then let Christ fill it, telling them to renounce the violence, renounce the trauma, renounce the abuse. I mean, I just got to drop the bombs on you guys. And, and let Christ in. And then, so we pray over them and then they go to the other side of the altar and they give thanks to Jesus, right? And the, we have this like four foot monstrance. It's like the Shaquille O'Neal monstrance. It's nice. huge, right? it's got this big plate, the Eucharist. And it's really funny, you know, it's got a light in it so the girls can see it. And then we repose, we do the divine praises. They know them. And then we turn and look at the statue of Our Lady, and we sing a song to Our Lady to close adoration. And then the girl, we ask them, how'd it go? Say, 
I had all this sadness and I feel better. I mean, the Eucharist just heals them, no? So my day is a lot of priestly stuff, thank God. That's, That's so the way awesome. I understand it from New Jersey, priestly stuff. That's the priestly language stuff. I like. What are you doing today? Like you, you expect something? No, no, it's just priestly stuff. Oh, okay, all right. I Father Dale Leary, I get joining that. us here at the, <laughs> joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. Father, how is we we have Joe and I have our social media show where we talk about things that are important. It's not that they're not important. When you're talking about politics, when you're talking about culture, okay, obviously we all know it's, it's cliched now, but it's true. Uh, politics is downstream from culture. Our culture quite frankly, sucks. Okay. Um, it's rotten. I mean, I mean, it's depraved on so many different levels and most of us just keep driving in our cars, thinking everything is just okay. Looking for some political solution, a political Messiah of some kind or whatever the case might be. How important would it be if Americans maybe did what we're talking about? In other words, so that they maybe take our, their materialism and, and put it in a bit of perspective that good God gives us things, a home. OK, if you have the means by which you could buy a home and be mobile, and have a car and go to work and raise your kids. Right. And send them to school. He gives us the means to do that. God doesn't begrudge us. In other words, but, uh, you know, if we have if we have a few bucks in the bank or we make a, a higher income, OK, it's what we do with it. How is actually getting out there and like you said, you know, getting getting in there, digging deep a little bit. Maybe that's one of the solutions we need so that we could keep things in perspective. In other words, and maybe maybe we can have a more, I don't know, or, or foster more of a culture of life, particularly in America, if we maybe dig deep and serve the poor a little bit more. I mean, am I making any sense to you, Father Leary? Yeah, brother. Look, you know, I think it's gotten to the point where we have to dedicate our finances, our time, to the things that are changing people's lives. We are, we're either mission or maintenance. I'm sure you've heard that. You're either supporting mission or you're just maintaining. And I, I strongly believe, I've, I've always felt that it was always about mission. Mother Church is not just an old lady. She's supposed to be a vibrant, dynamic, moving woman like Mary going to her cousin Elizabeth. That's how Mother Church is, not some, you know, old lady stuck in her ways. But we're supposed to really use the truth of the history of our faith and then to proclaim it in a new manner, like Eucharistic processions, devotion to Our Lady, all of those profound teachings that the church has. I think that most Americans, or I would say, I can't say that, but I, for me, my experience has been when I became a mission-oriented priest, and I basically was most of my priesthood, I never felt the heaviness of the culture. I always felt like I was moving freely in the midst of all the suffering, but I brought a light into the darkness. I think for those listening, you have to really see, are you weighed down or are you going lightly, as Father Al would say? And going lightly means sacrifice. The only way to move lightly is sacrificially. So to answer your question, I definitely think that the Lord is inviting us to this. Also, I mean, I'm training the future missionaries of the Catholic Church here, the sisters and I. These are the folks that will maybe be catechizing your kids and grandkids in the future because the kids are graduating with strong faith. They're not graduating with superficial faith. Um, so I want to form disciples. 
That's what Father Al wanted to do. You know, even in the 70s, when people maybe didn't have a sense, Father Al was saying, the purpose of the Sisters of Mary is to save souls, as many souls as possible. When I read that, and I, you know, I was in the SEM, I didn't understand it. But now that's just, man, that's, the, that's what's putting the fire in my belly is go after the souls, go after the souls, man. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, Father, the people didn't have sense in the 70s because they listened to the Bee Gees. So that, that, that is definitely a, a sign that they didn't get it. But one thing that you said that I... So I'm sorry, I, I, got, I got to chime in. The, I, you know, I used to think the Bee Gees were the cheesiest thing. And then oh. I started listening to them last year and going maybe a little bit further back than Saturday Night Fever. The Bee Gees are pretty good, but I'm they just going to throw nice that out. They got nice voices, but they're dude, man. It's just like it, it drips of cheese. But I just had to throw that Joe, out. Joe, by the way, I just said the Bee Gees are pretty good. We just lost half our audience. I heard the, <laughs> I heard the collective click through Westchester, Connecticut, Northern Long Island. You're joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Father Dan Leary. Go ahead, Joe. You talked about uh, going to adoration. And we, we have a friend who's a Carmelite priest. He's come on the show a number of times, Father Justin. He said, and something he said, I always remember. I'll always remember. He said, adoration is radiation. And he explained it like you go in front of the sun, you get a tan. And there is definitely something to that. Um, you know, for seven years before I got married, every Saturday I'd work with the missionaries of charity. And for seven years, I went to a holy hour once a week. I got married, and then we had to do some shifting. Kids came in. So me and my wife would kind of flip it. Half hour on Sunday, there was a convent near us, and then she would go. And then COVID happened, nothing. And then we found a place near us now. So I go 5 a.m. on Saturday for a half hour, my wife goes from 536 before the kids come up. And then Sunday I go too. And it really makes a difference. I'm just telling this to people. Just going there makes a difference. And trust me, I don't want to get up at five o'clock in the morning on Sunday. Trust me when I tell you, I have every excuse when I lie in bed to say, I don't want to do that. I need to do that because I need to be patient. I need to control like my, you know, my anger sometimes in my house when my kids put a hole in the wall, which the second hole actually is now in a wall in my kitchen. <laughs> I have to fix that <laughs> tomorrow. Um, you know, there's many things that I need and that is grace. And all you have to do is sit there. It's the recipe for the saints. Like I'm convinced of this, whether you're Thomas, you know, Aquinas or you're Joseph Cupertino, I'm more on the side of Joseph Cupertino than Thomas Aquinas. Um, but if you sit in front of the blessed sacrament, you will become holy. And all you got to do is sit there. Um, I can't, I can't emphasize that enough. And you do that. And I'm going to tell you, there is your energy. That is where it comes from, Father. There's well, no Father, that talk, talk about that because, because uh, again, I'm just going to piggyback off that and segue into a question. Joe and I firmly believe. Look, people do good things. I'm not. I'm not taking things away from people who are charitable, um, who give of their treasure. Okay, but at the end of the day, if you want to, if you want to live that authentically Catholic life, that full Catholic life, and what we're talking about and what you're talking about, Father Leary, you need the grace of the sacraments. I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I am at the point in my life where I need to get back to getting involved. One of the reasons we came to Arizona is because the Sisters of Life are here. Um, I haven't, you know, gone down to serve the poor as nearly as much as I should, okay? But I do know this. 
when I do, and I know that I need to, and I know we need to get involved more, I can't do it without grace, and the grace is in the sacraments of the church. This is a constant theme that, that we hammer on at the front line with Joe and Joe. If you're waiting for to go to confession, you haven't been in a while, go. If you're If you have to get back to Mass, there's the grace there. Go to confession, receive Jesus in the Eucharist, pray the rosary, do the best you can. Again, we all struggle all of us so i'm not judging anybody but talk about the need if you really want these works that you're talking about to come to their full flower you need to have the grace first am i wrong about that father no brother it all starts with the my holy hour because it's the divine energy and that helps me to have a supernatural outlook to everything that i'm doing i think that when people don't receive the blessed sacrament they only become humanly focused. And the end is just some act as opposed to elevating their eyes to something greater. For me, the Eucharist has been that source of strength when confused or angry and um, overwhelmed. You know, I, I sometimes like I get to one of the countries and everybody wants to go to confession and I just got to start one at a time and work my way through all the boys or the girls. It, for the lay people, I think that they have to realize it's, it's the, the, the glue that holds a marriage together. Oh, no it's, doubt about that. It's the Eucharistic love that unites um, a couple. It's also for a father or a mother, the capacity to, to quote unquote, breastfeed from your heart, which is the Eucharist. Whether you're a man or a woman, you still have to give from your heart. And that's the Eucharistic love. As a pastor, it kept me focused on the higher priorities and not losing, you know, not losing my top over small stuff. And so I could see as I began, as I always made a holy hour and the Eucharistic love, that every encounter in my office was always an encounter with the presence of Christ, always because the Eucharistic presence in me had no choice but to go out to the other person because it just comes out. And then I received from that person, whether it's a confession or whatever, I received their poverty. And what do I give them? Well, Christ gives through me mercy, mercy. So I was constantly having encounters with Christ through the Eucharistic presence in somebody's poverty or in the fact that I had been in adoration. And also, you know, when I first started this gig down here in Mexico and I was traveling, man, I, I, was, really, I was really angry at so much of the stuff I was hearing. And one night I went into the Eucharist and um, at, to close my day, which I do. And I felt the Lord said, man, why, why are you so angry? Those are my kids coming out of the tomb. You can't change their past, but give them me, right? That was a game changer, man. I'm like, so I'm not going to be angry with what I hear. I'm going to be joyful. And the bigger the wound is that comes in to talk to me, whatever it is, the bigger the presence of Christ is that's going to go into that wound. So if a kid came in with nine bullet holes in their heart, in their body, from various things, nine wounds, I thought, holy cow, we're putting nine little Eucharists in those nine bullet holes. 
or if a kid had a big, big one in their belly, we're going to put the big plate size eucalyptus right in that wound. So that's what keeps me fired up. <laughs> <laughs> Father Dan Leary joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. We're discussing the poor, uh, and that is obviously a very important topic, particularly for us as Catholics. World Villages for Children, helping children break free from a life of poverty. Father, I'm of the opinion that the the enemies of our souls, okay, and I wish everybody would get it through their head. Yes, we do have enemies, okay? They like to repeat themselves over and over and over. Okay, fine, go right ahead. Well, one thing I like to do is answer those things they say over and over and over, making sure anybody listening to us has the means to argue back against these things that we hear repeated over and over. And one of them which is almost getting to be absurd because the Catholic Church has been answering this argument for 2,000 years. But OK, let's be charitable. How could a loving God allow children to suffer? I can't tell you how many times I've heard the, 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 the new atheists and those who would attack the church. They say it over and over again. OK, we understand suffering. OK, we know the faith. We understand the idea of suffering. OK, we don't want it, but you're going to get it. I don't care if you have five billion dollars in the bank or nothing. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna suffer at some point. Okay, I'd like for you to just, you know, give your response to that, Father. Why does a good God allow children to suffer? Well, Jesus Christ was a historical figure, and whether you believe he was a good man or not, he did die on a cross, and so there is a fact that goodness has suffered more to the modern moment to the present moment. You know, we have this terrible thing called free will, which inflicts suffering on others. And that free will, if we're really honest, has caused an immense amount of suffering. Does God cause suffering? He allows it. But really the ones that cause it are our lack of love. Too many people point the finger at God for things that happen for in, in people's lives. But really, if we dig deeper, we recognize it was a lack of faith or a lack of formation or habits of sin that produce this anger, lust, pride in me that sends the ripple effect of suffering into countless people's lives. You know, one father, one dad who suffers from alcoholism doesn't affect just him. It affects the marriage, the kids, and maybe the grandkids. So I think that when we point the finger at God, we really point at him because we don't want an answer. The answer is within me. I caused suffering. I did. Maybe I didn't cause that kid to go through what they went through. But if I look in my immediate circle, which I can fix, which I can have a positive effect on, then man, suck it up, say I'm sorry, and go back to uniting with that person. But that's a theory. It's all God. Atheists, atheists believe in themselves. They have a huge faith in themselves. But that faith in themselves is broken because they believe in just a broken, uh, a, they believe in a lie. And that lie is what propels their anger. So why is there suffering? Jesus Christ suffered. From a faith-based perspective, if we don't have these innocent suffering, folks, where would we be? These kids down here are winning graces for you, Jersey and New Yorkers. Sorry to say it. The kid that's getting hammered now in some part of Mexico, 
with stuff that would make you guys fired up. Yeah, she brings it back to confession or to healing or sits on a bench and starts crying like they did last night. I hate to say it, folks, but that kid is winning mercy for you. Face it. So I'm in the midst of an immense amount of missionaries of love. They don't even know it yet, but they are drawing down mercy. And because their wounds are so massive, they're drawing down a massive amount of mercy. And the only response they have at this time is to cry. And that those tears are uniting with the tears of Christ because they suffered when they suffered. Thank you for that, Father Leary. Joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Father Dan Leary, we're discussing World Villages for Children. <coughs> Excuse me. Helping children break free from a life of poverty. Joe, we probably have time for one more question for Father Leary. I want to talk about outreach to others because, again, I think this is a supernatural gift um, that's available to all people. And I'm going to explain it. John is in the book of John. Uh it's my favorite gospel. He said, you know, if you don't love your neighbor, you can't love, say you love God. He, he actually calls you a liar, you know. But how do we love our neighbor? We have to change our hearts, clearly. And I believe that if we can see Jesus in the Eucharist, we will ultimately see him in other people. But sadly, right now, uh, the Pew Research uh, study said that only 30% of Catholics believe that Jesus is truly present. But I have the answer for that, and that is adoration. We have to use what the church gives us. Confession, receiving the Eucharist in a state of grace, adoration, pray the rosary. Talk about laying those ground like like tools because without that it doesn't magically happen just like the redskins don't magically win they have to practice they have to lift weights they have to watch film well we got to do those things or it's not going to happen your thoughts well faith is a gift what I think opens up the door for everybody is the gut-changing confession because that involves my free will to go in the box and be very honest. So I see the foundation is getting out the garbage to be emptied, to receive. You mentioned the radiation of the Eucharistic presence. Absolutely. That's what, that's what I'm witnessing now with thousands of children is there they're not just confessing the superficial follow the examination of conscience. They're confessing the deeper wounds and sins in their hearts that even the, the ripple effect of the trauma and then they're empty vessels. And then we have adoration for the children at night or they come to a voluntary mass and then they're filled. I think the model is very simple. The gut changing confession the confession where you don't want to say it or you say it vaguely, that's not good enough. You've got to call it out by name because that is a spiritual liberation of that individual. It's a profound liberation, okay? Sins of the flesh are just not enough. You could, that could mean eating, eating too many hamburgers, 
I'm talking about the really drilling down into the wound, calling it what it is, renouncing it. And then that wound is the place where the Eucharist goes. So I think that the answer for me is I used to offer daily confessions after mass every day. And then there was another great priest with me at St. Andrews. And if he was on the altar, I was in the box. Now, some folks might not like that idea, but we had full confessions from 8.30 to 12.30 nonstop every Sunday morning. And you know what? I saw changes in the parish. You know, you get, you know, I'm tired of the phrase popcorn confessions, the light ones. It doesn't matter. It's raining down grace. And so I think that it involves a sacrificial decision for, it involved one for me, involved ones for priests, and involves one for the laity to have the courage to say, Father, what about, you know, you know, one-stop shopping, go to Mass and receive the Eucharist. That's what I'm all about. Well, I would say this, and I think I could speak for Joe and you, Father Dan Leary, and myself. If anybody out there is listening to our voice, if either you believe that you've committed a sin that that God can't forgive or you're holding back a sin, um, whatever it might be, you can't fear the confessional. That's your, your liberation is right there. That's not a sales pitch. It's true. Joe's been through it. I've been through it. I'm sure Father's been through it. You know, I had an adult confession after 20 years of living a terrible life, okay? I was liberated that day, brother. I was liberated that day. And you could call that some good old-fashioned preaching, but that's what it is, okay? Don't be afraid of the confessional. Don't be afraid of it, because that's where, like Father said, the grace rains down. Father Dan Leary, where can uh, all our uh, members of our audience at the Veritas Catholic Network learn more about you? And yes, those who want to give of their treasure, how could they support uh, your organization and what you're doing? Thanks, Joe P. Yeah, so if you want to help the work of the Sisters of Mary, worldvillagesforchildren.org. Real villages for children. Um, you're not giving; you're investing, and you're forming the young ones. So I'm really begging. We got to get more of these kids out of the nonsense. And so I'm asking you if you'll please support the work of the Sisters of Mary and Venerable Aloysius Schwartz. Both Absolutely. Father Dan Leary, thanks for joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. You're always welcome on this show. Thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Uh, please be sure to download the app, Veritas Catholic Network mobile app, and follow Joe and I on social media all over the place, but primarily the front line with Joe and Joe on YouTube. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.